welcome to the Fertility Conversations podcast. The goal of this podcast is to create more awareness about infertility and to provide support to people trying to conceive. Thank you for listening today, and we hope you will be encouraged. And now, here is your host, Ola. Welcome to another episode of Fertility Conversations. Today, we are joined by a lovely guest, Kobe Ajayi of Eden Foundation. She'll be telling us about her foundation and the support they provide for preterm birth and maternal mental health in Nigeria. Her details would also be in the show notes. So welcome, Kobe, and thank you so much for coming on the show today. Hi, okay. Thank you for having me. Yay. It's a privilege to be here. Thank you so much. So to start off, we usually say, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. My name is Kobe. Hi, everyone. It's um, an honor to be here. My name is Kobe Ajayi, as Toke has mentioned. I am a wife and a mother of two girls, toddlers, who are very, 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 very active. They're three (laughs) and four. And I am also a student currently. I am studying in the United States where I'm studying to earn a PhD in health education. I am passionate about everything, the well-being of mothers and children. It's from the whole life course perspective. I, my faith is rooted in my, rather my, my philosophy, my drive is rooted in my faith which is me being a Christian, because I believe we are all here for a purpose and a higher purpose than just coming here and waking up every morning. I love, my passion is, I love crime movies. I love stories. I watch a lot of, a lot of crime movies. I, I, I think I'm rewatching, um, what's this one? I'm rewatching the one that has Spencer. Oh, how nice of, of all time to forget the title. <laughs> I'm watching. I'm watching one of these movies, one of these um, reality ones that no, no, not reality. One of these re- movies, crime movies. I'm actually rewatching it. I mm. do a lot of Law and Order. So, um, I do a lot of Law and Order. I do a lot of crime and investigation channels itself. I like watching it. It intrigues me when I see or when I see how people move from being very nice or having a very good childhood or whatever and they grow up or at some point something changes and it makes me question even myself at some point what would I do to survive if I'm put in that Mm. situation right so I keep watching I like watching all those things um, those kind of movies I also like connecting with people I enjoy meeting new people I am I call myself an ambivert meaning sometimes I'm the show of the party sometimes I just want to be mm-hmm. at the background I don't even want to be at the forefront at all but sometimes I want to hey let's lead the bandwagon and let's go so I'm in Yay. between sometimes I'm cold sometimes I'm hot um, and I love food yes strangely wow. I love food I love being healthy so I, I I love being healthy because I want to be beautiful when I'm old that is my goal yeah that's a good incentive <laughs> Yeah, I want to be pretty when I'm old. I don't. I want to play with my grandkids. That's like one of that's my main drive, my motivation of being healthy at this age. So I eat everything. I don't do diet. I just make sure I eat in moderation and as much as possible. I keep in my steps. I, I yeah, that's kind of a high level summary about myself. 
Wonderful. Yeah, great okay. points noted there. We'll keep that in mind, actually. Yeah, wanting to look pretty at uh, an older age. That's a good incentive. I'm going to keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a foundation, Eating Foundation. How did that come about? Thank you very much. Um, Eden Foundation, it's, a, it's an acronym, which is E-D-E-N. The full name is Educate, Direct, Empower, and Nurture. And mm -hmm. I really, really was looking out to getting the word Eden. I wanted Eden because Eden means so much to me, mainly because mm -hmm. of the Garden of Eden. I, I see the whole idea of the story we heard growing up, how the, or rather till now, how Adam and Eve, the garden was blissful. There wasn't any pain, there wasn't any disease, nothing at all. So it was just a peaceful time in mm. humanity. I think that's the only peaceful time in the, in the history of humanity. So it came about essentially by me being a preemie mom. In 2018, I had a, my daughter at 33 weeks. And that was... I used to always, before I go in, I used to always pride myself. I keep saying this thing. I used to always, always pride myself as being strong. There was a time I went for an interview, a job interview, and I, I was asked, like, what's your strength? I just said, I'm resilient because I know I am. That's the only strength I had. I'm very strong because, obviously, life situations growing up and all that, right? And when I had my baby at 33 weeks, that was the most challenging and most difficult period in my life. I, I don't know how I went through that first year, but it was the most painful experience having to have a preterm baby. Maybe because, first of all, the plan was to have my baby in, in the U.S. And all of a sudden, mm. just three days to my trip, I noticed I was bleeding. Ah. without any prior warning, anything. I, I had already had my first baby in the U.S. So the plan was, as a family, we had already agreed all our children would be born in the U.S. It, was, it wasn't, to some people, that might feel a bit um, vain to say, oh, it must give birth to your child. But it's just what we wanted and we thought we could afford mm -hmm. it and why not just do it? So yeah. at, at about 31 weeks, I noticed, I, was, I, I just resigned from my place of work. I was working with a multinational den in Abuja. I just resigned and I was doing the last minute running around and all the stuff. And by the time I came back home, I would never forget. I went to, I was at the downstairs guest room. I just came back home. I was pressed and I went to use the restroom. And by the time I, and I'm like, what, what's this? It was so, immediately I had to go to the hospital because that shouldn't be a 31 weeks pregnant. I shouldn't be having, I shouldn't be bleeding. And it's, the pregnancy has been healthy, no issue, no complication, no anything. And we went to the hospital and the first thing, we couldn't go to the hospital, we went to EchoScan, I still remember. That's at mm. um, somewhere in Gariki in Abuja. And immediately the sonographer did the scan. The first thing he said was, oh, madam, you have um, placenta previa. And I was like, say what? Placenta what? What is that? What, what is that? And I was like, yeah, you have placenta preview. And immediately I had my mind just flashed back. I was, I said, does this have to do with anything about me having a low-lying placenta? And he said, yes. Oh, that means you knew. I said, so 
at 20, is it 21 weeks or 24 weeks when you go for your anomaly scan? The, when I went for the scan, I saw that my, I had a low lying placenta. And I deliberately, for all of my antenatal visits, I deliberately seek to be seen by a gynae, not a general GP. And the gynae, I, I brought it up with a gynae. I'm like, okay, why do, what does this mean? I didn't hear about this in my first pregnancy. What, is, what does a low-lying placenta mean? And can you hear me? This has to do with me having a low-lying placenta. And he said, yes. That was when I, that was when I became really, really angry because I went back in time and I thought about when I went for my anomaly scan. And mm. during my anomaly scan, I, the sonographer then told me I had low-lying placenta. I brought this up with the gynae because I didn't hear anything about low-lying placenta during my previous pregnancy. The gynae mentioned that, oh, it's normal. It's okay. You don't have a problem. And I said, okay, that's fine. I don't have a problem. That's fine. We can go ahead. And he, I, I kept asking him, hope this is not a problem. He was like, no, it's, it's some women have low line placenta. Some women don't have low line placenta. It's nothing to worry about. It's normal. I said, okay, no problem. Then again and again, even before that incident of me finding out I was bleeding, I had gone for, to take my final fit to test um, tests at the hospital. I have gone, or rather fit to fly test at the hospital. I had done everything I needed mm -hmm. to do. They had even done another, I went for another scan. They didn't tell me I had a low-lying placenta, which is very important. Had it been I knew, I would have known that, oh, you have low-lying placenta, be careful. Don't, you have to be careful because you're at risk of having a preterm baby. You're at risk of having a placenta previa. Those are the things that they should have told me that I was mm. completely oblivious to. So that was my life and that's the story to my birth. And at 31 weeks, I found that I was bleeding. I had to be in, at the hospital. I was, I, I was at the hospital for, on, on a bed rest for a couple of days. I went back home. I was still at, on a bed rest. And somewhere at about 32 weeks, this is just very quick, quick change mm -hmm. yes. to everything that happened. At 32 weeks, I found that the I was sleeping and somewhere in the middle of the night, I thought that the tap was on because I could feel this rush and gush of, <laughs> of water in quotes flowing through me. And by the time I woke up, I found that I was bleeding like profusely, like really, really bleeding. That's when, unfortunately, my husband was not in town. So nobody was at home to drive me. Oh, no. And unfortunately still, the hospitals were on strike. That was one of the period that the whole, there was some strike, Ugh. all the government hospitals were on strike. I called my, my cousin who is a medical doctor and she immediately rushed to my house. Thank God it's Abuja, it's not far from each other. She was in my house about, this was about 10, we're talking about 1 a.m. Mm, 2 a.m. Yeah. So he, she came to the house and we kept calling hospitals to hospitals. Sorry, it's either they don't have blood in their blood bank because for me, since I'm already high risk, they don't have blood. You have to need, you need blood because I, I am already bleeding. There's heavy chance of me, of hemorrhage. So I, they don't, it's either they don't have blood or they don't have space in the NICU for a baby. So we were at home calling back and forth, calling back and forth for about another one hour. At 3 a.m., my, my cousin was like, you know what, Kobe, 
stand up, we're going to a hospital. I don't care right now. So thank God my mom had already come in. Remember, this is, was supposed to be like three days. I, was, I started bleeding like three days to my supposed trip to the U.S. So my mom was already around because she was supposed to go with me to the U.S. So thank God she was at home. Yeah. And my older daughter was at home as well. So she just stayed back home with my daughter while my cousin went with me. And we went to the hospital. We did all the sign up. My cousin had to do the back and forth movement. Go pay this one. Go pay this one. And we were at the hospital. I was on. I was put on drip from about four a.m. till ten. No doctor came to see me. Between four a.m. till ten a.m. Thankfully, God helped me. The bleeding stopped. So I was just on drip. I slept off. My cousin <sighs> shouted did all she could, nothing, nobody came. But it was during the handoff period that the, the doctors that came in the next day, they were all, you could see the fracas going on. They were, the new doctors that came in the previous day, they were also they were so mad at the doctors. They were like, why didn't you help this woman? Do you know she would have died? Like they were all having the fracas. I could hear all, what they were saying. I just kept thanking God. I called all my, my family members, everybody we were praying and we just kept trusting God. So thank God, God helped and the bleeding stopped. And that was how we went to the hospital. I was now completely on bed rest. I was already, they were already, I had, they gave me the um, antinatal, is it the corticosteroid, the drug that's to help develop mm. the baby's lung because the, it's already obvious that my baby is going to come and it will be premature, except God intervenes. So that's how yeah. somewhere along the line, the bleeding stopped and I had a rupture of <laughs> premature rupture of membrane. And eventually we just had to bring the baby out at exactly 33 weeks. Thankfully, God was so kind that during the surgery, the doctor said, this is how you know a successful surgery when everybody's joking and laughing. The blood, we didn't need, we didn't have any need for, to do a blood transfusion because I didn't bleed as they had anticipated. The baby, obviously, she came preterm and she, she, we moved her to the, immediately we moved her to the, to the neonatal intensive care unit. The only time I saw a glimpse of my child was immediately they brought her out of me and the normal Nigerian nurses now, right? They're like, Madam, see your Pekin, see your Pekin, girl, now girl, now girl, see your Pekin. That's how they whisked her away. So in my I was still coming out from my from the anesthesia I did not even so I just from the side eye I saw them showing me a child that this is your picking and right and that was how that was the only time I saw my daughter so my cousin immediately rushed with them with the nurses so that she can keep an eye on the baby so that they don't they don't exchange the baby for someone else right you know so what she, I mean yeah yeah so she kept an eye this is a long story but I always it's something I'm, I'm that that takes me back to my why and that's how mm. see, I didn't see my daughter until two days later and after I the first time I saw her I just started crying because it was just too different I didn't it was I was still coming out from the pain of the CS seeing my daughter look the way she was with all the wires and in, in the ICU, she needed blood transfusion. So immediately I, I saw her two days after my, after giving birth to her, I still didn't even hold her. I still didn't touch. I didn't touch her until like maybe three or four days later because they just didn't allow me go into the, the neonatal intensive care unit. You were, we're all standing by the door yeah. to peep through, to see, to see our children. 
and you needed you just need to pass pass your milk through the nurses and they'll feed your child for you but you didn't you didn't you, no, no one was allowed into the neonatal intensive unit so that was that was essentially it and by the time we eventually thankfully my baby recovered really fast and in seven days time we were already back home and by the time we got home that was where the main challenge started because having to feed her using syringe, she not eating, she was very small. It was really, really, we were feeding almost every hour. That means I wasn't sleeping. I was not, I didn't have my bath for like three days. I was just cleaning up because of the, um, the surgery because I didn't want to wet it for, so I, we could prevent, pre prevent infection. So that was how everything kept yeah. going. And that was when I knew I was, I needed help because I would cry and cry. I, I, I would cry myself to, I would blame myself for having a preterm baby. I felt I was not good enough. I, I, this, this stress of not sleeping, the stress of not even taking a bath, the stress of taking care of her was so much on me that for the first, but my husband, to show how bad it was, my husband didn't touch our child for the first one month because he was scared of the child. Wow. He was scared that the child was going to die. So he didn't want to get attached to the child. That's, mm. I didn't have a choice. I'm the mother. I know what it is. I feel it deep down in me. No matter how much I felt bad, I needed to be there for the child. And that's how we struggled until I had to call my cousin who helped me. She kept speaking to me and just saying, Kobe, continue what you're doing. You're doing well. It's not you. She kept encouraging me. And that was where I was able to get myself back. And even after getting myself back, I didn't like my child. For I, I, I didn't love her the way I loved my first daughter. For the first couple of months, like the first nine months in her life, I didn't love her. I wasn't patient with her. When she cries, I get so pissed. Like, why are you crying? Why are you crying? You get, I didn't love her, which, which is something people don't talk about. We don't talk about the whole idea yeah. of, you it you a traumatic birth experience will make you not even love your child that child you've been praying for you won't it doesn't mean you're a bad mother it just means you're still trying to process what has happened to you so that's how my experience and everything the experiences of the mothers at the, that we were together at the NICU was so telling and it's so real till today that I knew this was I felt this was a calling God has given to me to be there for, to be there for other women who are going through what I went through. Nobody's talking about preterm babies. Everybody's talking about, oh, you give birth, it's good and all that. But the other side of it, when it gets ugly, the struggles and how, how much it, it's so hurting to, to think you're a failure for having a preterm baby and the stress of having to feed and all that. That was why I started Eden, essentially. That's a long story as to, as to why, but that's the reason I started Eden, which is the whole bringing back bliss, like the Garden of Eden, a situation where mothers are happy despite the chaos, despite the stress of having to care for a baby, a preterm baby. Eden Foundation is there like the biblical, biblical Garden of Eden to, be, mm. to bring peace, to bring serenity to a mother to make her feel comforted and to show love and to make them know that they're not alone. They didn't fail. It's yeah. just a phase in life. Yeah. So that's the birth of Eden. 
Wow, thank you so much. <laughs> That's a lot of story. You know, but even your experience, I mean, we're so thankful for your life, like to be there for after bleeding from when you woke up in the middle of the night to then be in the hospital for six hours and no doctor checking you. That's just God's mercy because it's just, that's just crazy. Yeah. You know, that's <laughs> not a, that, wow. We're so thankful for your life. And then to have that whole experience and to come out and then start a foundation like this to speak to and to help other people. Thank you so much for that. Because again, like you rightly said, many times we talk about, oh, like you just have the baby and you're so happy and you just bond and everything is perfect. But no one tells you that sometimes it's not that way. And yeah. people know, yeah. Wow, thank you. Thank you and thank God for Eden Foundation. You're welcome. And thank with Eden you, Foundation now, um, how has it been received? How, in terms of since you started it, what do you think that is, have, what impact do you think that you've had so far? It's been very comforting to see that people are going out of their way to want to be a part of the organization in any way they can. Mm. The organization started in 2019, uh, late 2019, and that was like a breeding ground for us because um, I am based in the US and it was a bit difficult to get it off the ground at that point in time. But I knew I had this nudge and I needed to start waiting any more time, maybe waiting after graduation wasn't the, the wasn't going to work for me. At that point, it was difficult, but immediately I started putting out, like we were talking about before we started recording the whole idea of social branding and bringing out yourself, talking about what you do. Immediately, I started putting the organization out there. I have gotten so much tremendous support. We have people saying they want to, people who have called us to, uh, people have called us to say, how can we help? Those who are able to give some kind of branding, help us give, tell our branding stories, um, volunteers, donates in one way or the other, share our story. And also how we've been able to make a social impact is, a woman called, sent a message, sent a DM on her Instagram page, and she said she had a baby at 33 weeks, and she had the placenta previa. And I felt, I just, I said, can I hug you, even if it's virtually? And she, she sent me a message and said how she's struggling so much on how to get the baby to feed. She's just feeling so overwhelmed that when her mother and her sisters are there to care for her, and that when she when she goes into her room, she cries. I just saw myself in her and being able to cancel her, being able to speak to for someone or speak to someone is one of is those are the things that we're that makes us want to continue doing what we're doing. It's it's still yeah. new. We're still gathering data. We're still um, trying to as much as possible. We get data. We get review from people. But so far, the first intervention we did, which was in 2000, between 2019 and 2020, the, the feedback we got was so, so heartwarming because many of the mothers, you know, aside from the emotional stress that comes with preterm birth, there's a financial part of it that is very expensive to have your child at the NICU on a daily basis. Being in the, oh, yeah. in the incubator and all, that's very expensive. So one of the fathers 
mentioned how during the time we get, handed the kids to them, that at that point in time, they were really struggling with finances. So being able to receive the gift that we gave to them, initially we had, we have our, the baby diapers and all those things in it, right? And the antiseptics, the, when we started, we were putting, we, we had a breast, we had a baby formula in it when we started, but for this later on, we, we upgraded it because we felt for it to be more sustainable, a breast pump is better than a formula. So initially right. it was a formula and what she, what the father said was at that point they were having so much financial struggles that the kit was just came in handy because they were able to at least manage for the first, for the couple of, for like a month to get themselves together. Mm. They didn't have to bother about buying diaper. They didn't have to bother about buying the antiseptic for that month at least it helped them. So those feedback we get and the, in general has been really helpful and to know that we're making an impact but with time data is very important but with time as we're doing more interventions as we're reaching out to more people we're gathering data to see how the mothers the were to get to maybe track their the baby's weight over time see how the kit has been sustainable and the direct impact it's had on on families yeah that's yes. yeah and so you mentioned kids. What's does is it that every family that comes to you gets a kit, or what happens with the, the kids? Our approach we have we have mainly Eden Foundation is covers two main areas: preterm birth and maternal mental health. Preterm birth using our preterm our preterm birth approach is essentially we call it the PAP, which is a preterm prematurity awareness and prevention program, which is PAAP. For that program, we deliver uh, Eden preterm birth kits. The kit contains essential items that have been recommended by the WHO in their report. Uh, there was a report that was sent out a while ago, a recommendation by the WHO and, and UNICEF on is a survive and thrive report that helps to that guides stakeholders on how to care for small and sick newborns. So our, yeah. our kit is in direct response to that um, WHO guidelines in that we're able to provide primary level interventions, which is now the breast pump, which is breastfeeding, health information, going back home because we have a pamphlet in the kit that has information about taking care of your baby beyond the hospital. Mm -hmm. And we have the, the, the pamphlet also addresses mental health. Then the kit contains a blanket. The kit contains a antiseptic materials so, such as Dettol, cotton, cotton wools and all those things because infection is very high for the preterm baby. Those are things that we, we have in the kit. So we, we go to hospitals that have a neonatal okay. intensive care unit and we identify with collaborations with the hospital, the nurses were able to deliver this kit to mothers at the, at the neonatal intensive care unit. That's the approach we're taking for the preterm birth. Then for the mental health, for now it's still ongoing. For now we're doing, going through, we're doing social media awareness, a lot of social media awareness. We're doing a lot of, um, the, the, like I mentioned, the pamphlet has a mental health information on it in, in the pamphlet. And mm -hmm. another, going forward, we'll be having a, we'll be de developing an app for 
maternal mental health, which is what I'm currently working with with some folks right here in the US, which were developing an app for, for maternal mental health, with this time specific to the African woman. So uh, terminologies and with time would end up having like having them in different languages so that we can reach more women in, in Africa versus, yeah, more women in Africa. So that's just about, that's yeah. <laughs> that's wonderful. So for anyone listening, I'm just wondering, uh, can you just like maybe just uh, highlight the things that Eden Foundation does? So I know that you noted that you do go to the hospitals to try to see those that have NICU and uh, and contacts like communicate with the nurses and try to get the kids. But if someone just wanted to be sure exactly what Eden Foundation does and how they can support you, could you please give us some information about that? Okay, so in order to support uh, or rather to know more about our organizations, we are on our social media platforms. We are on LinkedIn. We're on, we're more active on LinkedIn and Instagram. And we have our website, which is www.edenfondationg.com. We, yeah. when it, the kind of support we need at this point is we need more, we need partnerships. We need, if anyone listening here and knows if you are a, an, an organization and you think this our mission aligns with yours, which is to improve the health outcomes of mothers and newborns in, in Nigeria to make sure that they don't just survive but thrive. Mm-hmm. We, if you're an organization and, you've, and our mission aligns with yours, you can contact us. We're, we're big on wanting to partner with other organizations to reach more people. The kit currently, con- it's uh, one kit, it's priced at $25. That's because it's, we're, we're, in, we're ensuring that we're trying to make it up the standard. We're not trying to do something that is sustainable. So a kit currently is $25. And if anyone wants to support, to maybe someone can, what, what we're trying to do right now is to see how we can get more people to 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 buy the kits on on our behalf. Then we would would supply the kits for you and we can include your name or, or your organization as part of the um, initiative as we supply those kits to more hospitals. And we're looking for, like I mentioned partnership, we're looking for, again, cash donations is, is, is always helpful for a nonprofit. At the moment, it's all personal funds we're using to right. um, design our kits. And of course, volunteers, and of course, share our message. It's, it's, I always say if one person can reach another person, we're already getting, we're already meeting more people. There's, there's a limit to my network. And if I can tap into another person's network and the person just share our message to their own network, we're able to reach more people. So just to share our, our message and to meet more people, it's something that, that we're, we're looking at supporting how to get support for our organization thank you well said so we hope that more people will listen to this episode and get that information out and support you and partner with you and also provide cash donations and also buy the kids so yeah thank you 
will uh, share, keep sharing your message out. Thank, yes, you, thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and in, like, you know, I know that at the time you had your second child, you were here in Nigeria, uh, and I'm not sure how much your organization has seen in terms of people's perception, but in your opinion, what is the general perception of maternal mental health during pregnancy and after birth? Are people really aware of that in Nigeria, or is this something that is not known so much, it's not spoken so much about, or even people are even aware of it? That's a very good question. So I would say when I gave birth, when I started having children in 2018, I didn't know what maternal mental, and I can even say I didn't know what mental health was. It was something that I didn't think that was, there was something called mental health. But now I can see, since I've been in the social media space, I can see there's a lot of talks about it, which is encouraging, right? It's really, really encouraging to see that there is now more awareness about being able to speak up, don't be shy. You're not a super mom. You're just a mother who has a lot of things going on. It's okay if you're tired, speak up because you're helping someone else. While that is a good, it's, it's welcoming to see that there is now more, more every, people are talking more about it. We are missing out on a unique group of people who don't have access to the internet. So it's, the research yes. already shows that rural areas do not have, have low um, access to internet services. Now, while what we're doing, the majority of people who are using the internet are in quotes millennials. So they have the, 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 they have the knowledge, they have the access to it, to internet. They know what Instagram is, for instance. But those in rural areas, they have no idea, they have no inclination of what this is. The knowledge of maternal mental health is still low. And that's where we need to go beyond just social media. We need to now go into rural areas, which is now making sure that we have a policy shift that PHCs, which is primary healthcare centers, are able to have, are equipped with maternal mental health professionals or mental health professionals in general, which include psychology, psychiatrists, counselors, to, to encourage, to teach mothers, right, about mental health. And again, another approach is even in the urban areas, it would be great if we have during antenatal care visits, it's, it's interesting, we still have the group antenatal visit in Nigeria, which is, I think is really a good model versus the individual mm -hmm. um, antenatal care visit. What about incorporating mental health talks during your antenatal visit? I didn't hear anything during my antenatal visit. That's another way to prepare mothers, even before giving birth, to say, hey, you should start taking care of your mental health. You should start prioritizing yourself. Your life matters. It's okay to be a mom, but exactly. if you don't care for yourself, I don't know how you're going to care for your for your child, right? So because a happy mom equals a happy child and a happy family, yeah, right. So that that's something that as to as to how much we're accepting it, it's we're gradually getting there, but there's still a lot of work to do because societal and cultural norms is still a huge huge issue. The whole idea that oh, your mother did it, so why are you not able to handle it? What was there? Is it not just to have exactly. a child? Is it not just to have a child? What's there? If the child is crying, eh? Hey? Yeah. Yes. Not knowing that there's more to just having a child. And 
yeah, the burden of caregiving rests on the mothers as well. And a mother yeah, has so to juggle. Pressure. Yeah, the mother has to juggle caring for herself, caring for the child, caring for the home, and if she's working, and working. Right? And you wonder, this is just one person. That's exactly. support, support is very, very important. Spousal support cannot be underestimated or over discussed. Spousal support is key. And because of our kind of system, we're not there yet. We're still the system where we see men, a man doing chores in the home is regarded as weak, which is wrong. Oh, yeah. Right? So, which is ridiculous. It, yeah. Yeah. So those are things we can't expect a woman who would go out in the morning, come back in the evening, have to care for the child, have to all those things. It's just too much. She needs to she needs to live happily. She has a life too. Exactly. So what I try to do for myself, I always tell myself, is I'm not going to lose myself because I have a family. It's not me, it's not me being selfish, although being selfish sometimes is okay. But it yeah. means having a balance. It means I still have my vision. I want to be happy. My happiness is not dependent on whether or not I have a child or a husband. My happiness is dependent on the goals I set as an individual. A child, a husband is an, is an advantage if you want it. If you don't want it, that is still okay. Right? So. Yeah. We still need to talk more about it. We still need to reach hard. We still need to get to hard to reach population. We need more people in the front lines serving as maternal mental health specialists. The ratio of people who of maternal of of mental health specialists or professionals in Africa is painfully low. Um, I can't remember the exact numbers right now, but a recent I'm working on a paper right now looking at maternal mental health in Africa, and it's so sad that there are just so many few articles in it looking at this area yeah. and you wonder aren't women in africa mothers as well aren't we're still going through this thing someone should speak about it so we still need we still need more we, we need more people to talk about it we need more awareness we need to include religion from it's it's a whole system approach include religious folks to tell to teach about it on their altars don't teach on your altar yeah. that a woman is the only one who should take care of the child. No, teach about it. Don't, don't, don't stigmatize people who are seeking care. It's not only about exactly. going to pray, 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 pray. Yes, you will pray to whosoever God you pray to, but you still need that professional help. It's the brain and the whole biological and psychological thing going on there. It's not just all about praying. Spiritual help, spiritual help is needed it can augment, but it shouldn't be the only one. So those are things we need to talk about. So they still need to talk more about it, to reach out to more people and vulnerable people out there. Yeah. Well said, Kobe. And, Thank you. you know, it, it, it's, I like the fact that you also highlighted the importance of religious uh, groups as well and the impact they can have, because again, lots of people do go to them and seek uh, guidance from uh, their religious places. So it's 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 mm -hmm. actually really helpful if they can also get involved just to also stress the importance. Like you know that everyone says that, 
you know, your mother had a child, what's the big deal? Everybody has, people have children every day, like making it seem like, why can't you handle it if everybody else can? Mm-hmm. So there isn't enough understanding that aspect. And what do you wish that people knew more about, even when it, when someone has a preterm baby, like I never, I wondered in my mind, well, yes, it must be hard maybe staying in the NICU, but I had, I still have no idea. So what do you wish people understood about the additional self when you had uh, your second daughter, uh, you know, at 33 weeks and, you know, how you were feeling mentally in the sense that you didn't see the immediate bond and also the additional stress, the financial aspect of it as well. What do you wish uh, people listening or someone or the society had a better understanding of, or what, what do you wish they were aware of in terms of preterm birth and maternal mental health that could accompany it as well? Oh, thank you. One thing, I think the first thing we need to, from my own point of view is, I wish the, during my antenatal care visit, I wish the doctors or rather the nurses told me about things that could happen. That, oh, these are like, it's not to scare the, the mother, but to educate them to say, while you're like, just give a part of some kind of education on not just preterm birth, um, birth itself, but kind of an adverse birth. Right. That way, mothers are aware that it's not always rosy. Mm-hmm. I think if I was preempted that there's something called preterm birth, you're not maybe just discussing it, other types of births, preterm births, there is this kind of birth. I know there's a whole lot, but there are basic things yeah. that I think yes. a woman should know before at least giving birth because preterm birth could happen to anyone. A, a seemingly perfect, healthy pregnancy can become, can lead to a preterm birth because there isn't any exact risk factor. Like till date, there is no science that says X causes Y, this causes preterm birth. No, there are factors that increases a woman's chances of having a preterm birth. But like me, it was until I had my baby, I knew that I had a short inter, inter, interval pregnancy, meaning my first uh. baby, right? So that's when I knew that, oh, this was what increased my chances of having a placenta privy and increased my chances of having a preterm birth. All this information, they were not discussed during antenatal care. And so I wish the, the hospital system can include information about spacing your child, the importance of that during the antenatal care visit. I wish, right. yeah, I wish the society would not look down on mothers with preterm birth as not being um, caring enough or as, as is like they caused it. The mothers did not cause it, <laughs> yeah. right? When I went, I remember when I went to the hospital when my daughter was just, she was still very tiny really, really tiny. And the, doc, the the people, I could, I wasn't imagining people looking at me. Like I could see the way people were looking at my child. And I felt really sad. Like, yes, I know she's small, but leave me alone. Stop staring at me. Stop giving me that eye look, right? Yeah. And I wish people could stop asking questions like, oh, why is your child small like that, right? I wish people could stop mm. saying things like, 
Ah, it's okay. It's nothing. Your child will be okay. It's nothing. It's nothing. Yes, it's something. <laughs> right? <laughs> Just be there. And for, after having my child, I didn't, I didn't allow anybody, to, aside from families, I didn't allow friends to come visit because I didn't want anybody to ask me questions. I didn't want anyone to say, uh, uh, why is your child like this? Or why are you feeding your child with syringe? Why are you? Those are things that, those are things that I didn't want to, to hear. Yeah. So society should be more, should understand that preterm birth is a big deal because it's the leading causes of death of, for children worldwide. Like it's the leading cause above every, every other diseases. I went to a, I was at a seminar and one of the lead, leaders, the researchers, uh, I can't remember his name, but there was, he, he, he made a quote that I coined out. He said, preterm birth is the worst thing that can happen to a baby. Wow. Because not only some babies, the ones that are born really, really early, some end up catching up and everything is fine. Hallelujah. Most of them don't. They end up with, they have higher chance, the, the research is out there. Preterm babies mm. have higher chances of heart failures at adulthood. Preterm babies have higher chances of other chronic diseases at adulthood. So those are the ones that even manage to survive. Right? right? So there are a lot of awareness that should be out there. I wish people knew more about it. I was reading a post a while ago and a mother said she had a baby at 34 weeks. And some people who commented on the post were like, ah, your baby is not preterm now. Stop stop saying something negative. I'm like, Whoa. I'm like, there's a difference. Know the difference. You can have a full-term baby and your baby will be low birth weight. That is different from having a, a baby early and having a low birth weight. So the whole idea is a preterm baby is always low birth weight. But a low birth baby, a, lo a baby who has a low birth weight is not always a preterm baby. However, right. their challenges are always high. Because a child with low birth, always they're unable to, they don't have, their systems are not well developed. By the time they come out, a lot of infections and all those things that could happen. So those are the concerns that, that's why it's all around small and small and sick newborn. Small of gestational age is, is, is a problem, right? So I wish society are more, there are, people would educate themselves about this phenomenon of preterm birth and the devastating effect it has is very very expensive do you know how much an incubator is like i was trying to do an intervention in delta state in a federal hospital in mm. delta state and to my greatest shock they don't have a neonatal intensive care unit that is if a child is born preterm and needs to be put in an incubator asap that child will die because before you transport the child from point A to point B, the child needs to be in, All the child right. needs, you, you get. So the, the cost of an wow. incubator, the cost of running a NICU, our system in Nigeria does not, especially in rural areas, they can't afford it. That's why the death rate in rural areas is high. And concerns about, for instance, when I was told, immediately I found that I had placenta previa, they just told me, you can't have a vaginal birth. Don't even think about it. If you try it, either you or the child will die or only the child will die. But it was just there. So society should be aware that when your doctor tells you something, accept it. Don't try to say, I, I, am, the, I am next to the God I serve. That means I am the strongest. I will not give birth through CCS. 
it's not a problem. It doesn't yes. mean you're weak, right? So those are things that I, I can go on and on and on about what, what society should know, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, they're all important things that you're saying. You know, I didn't know the details of the NICU and you know, some places not having it, but just to imagine all the numbers of children, babies that could potentially be saved if there was the right care. And let me, it's let just me, heartbreaking to, to... Let me put it in context, if you don't mind. Let me put it in context. Of the countries, yeah. with, of the, countries with the highest rate of preterm birth, which is over 15%, the WHO notes that there are 11 countries in the world with preterm birth rates of over, over 15%. Nine of them are in sub-Saharan Africa. Nine. Wow. Um, Nigeria in 2018, I think about 80, 80 about 90,000 children died in 2017 mm. from direct causes of preterm birth. Oh, that's, that's, in, that's where there's data. <laughs> so it's not a joke. Exactly. <laughs> it's not a joke, but the knowledge and the awareness about it is pretty low. And healthy, yes, yes. Uh, I, I would like to note here that I, di I didn't mention it, multiple pregnancies and with the advent of IVF has increased the chance. Yeah. So when, that's technology. So most times mothers who, who, go, who use um, technology assisted birth, they, have, they are more likely yeah. to have, because they have multiples, because multiples are, mm -hmm. are, are described or designated as high-risk pregnancies. And most of the time, most multiples do not carry, most mothers do not carry multiples up to um, full term. Full so term, it's not, yeah. yeah. So it, just to put it out there that those, that is still a, one of the reasons why mothers will have preterm babies, not necessarily because they do they did anything wrong or anything it's just that naturally because multiples are, are high risk pregnancies chances of giving birth early is high and again i would like to still note here that not only preterm babies go to the NICU which is a neonatal intensive care unit you have babies who are who have some maybe congenital abnormalities very very sick newborns um, even if they were born full term they, they're still admitted at the NICU. So in general, the NICU is, is a very painful experience, even for a preterm mom. And the mom who has a full-term baby and the baby has to be at the NICU. It's still a very painful and, um, experience. Yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. So I don't, I, don't I, I need to acknowledge other mothers as well, not just preterm babies. Yes, thank you so much for expatiating on that and just for educating us as well, because again, I think, like you said, not, lots of people don't, don't know about all this. And I mean, I didn't know. So um, it's great to hear this information and just to create as much awareness as, as, as we possibly can and see how people can help. And just again, educate people, because like you said, even when you went for your antenatal classes, even if you just had some information to prepare your mind, that could have gone a long way in just letting you know the different um, births that happen, just mm -hmm. just to create that awareness, even within your yes. mind. So thank you. Thank you. Um, and just to ask, I mean, you you mentioned a quote earlier by WHO, uh, sorry, by a professor you listened to. I wonder if or if you'd like to share any quote or word of affirmation that you found helpful 
in your journey so far? Whew. There are a lot of them. <laughs> there are a lot of them. <laughs> there are a lot of them. So for, I think, I, I th- if I don't want to give one, maybe I'll give two. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Two, three. yeah. The, the, the first one that I, the first time I started trying to, to, towards my process of healing and accepting my reality, one thing that I kept telling myself was, I am made for this. Hmm. It, didn't, it didn't come as a surprise. It didn't come, maybe because, again, I mentioned earlier on that my philosophy is grounded by my faith. So I, I kept, went together with the counseling I received from my cousin, who is a medical doctor. I kept telling myself I was made for this. There is nothing new under the sun. Someone out there, even if I don't know who the person is, has gone through worse experience and they came out strong. I too will go through this and I'll come out strong. So that's more like there's nothing new under the sun. I'm not the first to have this baby. I can do this. I'm not the first to have a preterm baby. I can do this. People have gone through this process, even worse situations, and they are stronger. So that's those are things I kept reminding myself. I kept reminding mm. myself that I was made for this. It didn't come to God as a surprise. Um, there's nothing new under the sun. I'm strong. I kept telling myself all those things. And I, was, I always used to do this standing in front of the mirror. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. because I wanted to see myself talking to myself. <laughs> then <laughs> when I do that, I call my name because I talk, funny enough, I talk to myself a lot. So I call, I stand in front of the mirror and I'm like, Kobe, see, listen, like, as if I'm talking to someone else. <laughs> That's I, I do that a lot. I stand in front of the mirror and I'm like, Kobe, see, it's okay, right? It's okay. Look, just, just look at yourself. It's okay because you are not the first person. You're not the only one who is going through this. Like I talk to myself as if when I stand in front of the mirror, as if I'm talking to that person I'm seeing, right? So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So that's, it, it helps me a lot. And I'll be like, yes, you see, yes, Kobe, you're doing it. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to try I'm, that. I'm my hype man. <laughs> I'm my hype man. <laughs> so I do that a lot. I stand in front of the mirror and I'm all like, yes, Kobe. I, I do it as if I'm talking to, is that the third person? Like third person singular was the English word for that. There's a, yeah. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't talk, I, I don't talk to the first person. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, yeah. That, that's essentially what I do. I stand in front of the mirror. I look myself in the eyes and I'm, I, I, I act as if I'm talking to someone else and I'm just having a conversation with someone else. And when I do that, it always helps. Always, always helps. It sounds effective. Yeah, it sounds effective. I'm going to try it. Not, yeah, you should. Like you can do this. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's fu- at first it might sound oh, you're weird. You're amazing. Well, yeah. Is- yeah. At, at times it sounds weird. Then just keep doing it. And before you know, and when I do it, I yell like, yay, I don't want to shout out, yay. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good prep talk before an event as well, right? Before you go have a a talk or a speech, like, yeah, I can do this. Yes, you can do this. Yes, yes. I talk to myself a lot. Wonderful. I don't wait Thank for someone you. else to, to encourage me before I encourage myself. Encourage you. <laughs> yes, we need that. We need to encourage ourselves more because we're all doing such a, you know, people going through different situations in their journeys. So mm-hmm. we need that. Thank you for sharing. And Thank as you. a wrap up, <laughs> as a wrap up, Kobe, 
any final words that mm-hmm. you would like the listeners to know? And I actually also want to put there that if anyone has listened and wants to support, I know you mentioned your website earlier, uh, also maybe an Instagram page or how the best way to reach you if they want to support you and any final words or information that you'd like to put out there. Final words for a mom who is, even if you don't have a preterm baby and you're a mom, you have toddlers, <laughs> it gets, <laughs> it's interesting. Final words for you, a mom, I just want to let you know that you're doing, you're doing amazing work. Like being a mom of a toddler, it's already high up there. Like you're doing so, so well. Don't feel overwhelmed. Yes, you could feel overwhelmed, but yes, my daughter is here to help, to help me. <laughs> to encourage, let us know. To help me share last word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So to that, to that mom going through a tough time, just know that you're doing, it gets better. Just stay consistent. It's not easy to always say it gets better when you're not the one walking in the, in the particular shoes right now. But I just wanted mm-hmm. to always see the positive side of things try be deliberate about your activities be deliberate about what you think about be deliberate about what you listen to if you have to cut off the internet for a while social media cut it off for a while whatever you need yes. to do to keep yourself happy you you come first yes you you love your children but remember you come first if you're not happy your children will not be happy if you're not where you want to be, your children, the people who, who is making you do all the work you're doing, you, they won't actually ex- enjoy it if, if you don't take care of yourself. Taking care of yourself is not, you don't need to do anything expensive. You can just decide to say, you know what, today I'm just going to watch Netflix. That might just be yeah. it. You might just say, you know what, today, hey kids, we're not eating, I'm not cooking today. Let's go and buy <laughs> yeah, pizza. Buy pizza. <laughs> We'll all be all right. Let's yeah. eat together and be happy. Make memories. Make memories with your yes. children. Even if it's be silly. Don't take everything seriously. Even if it's when everybody lies down, lie on their head and do anything. Do peekaboo with your children. It's fun. Mm. Ease it out. Don't it gets better. For the woman who is going through a tough time, you you're waiting, you're I don't know, you're waiting. I I, I I try to be very cautious when I, when I speak with people. I have friends, very close friends who are still waiting and your, your page is all about fertility conversations. And honestly, I don't know how women who are waiting manage. I, I waited for about two years before I started having my, my children. And within that two years, I had two miscarriages and so by the time I have, <laughs> by the time my, I had my, my, who is now my first child, which is my third pregnancy, I wasn't excited about it because I just felt, because again, just at about nine weeks, I started bleeding. So I, I just felt, mm-hmm. was there to be happy about this woman is going to drop? But she ended up staying. So my point is, I don't know how even to advise or how to, what word to give, but just know that you are loved. You are not a failure. Your time will come. Your body, as long as you desire it, keep praying, keep trusting. 
filter the things you want to hear so that you don't go so the, the things you want to hear around you love as much as possible give out love don't hold bitterness don't hold grudges your body did not fail you your body did not fail you you are awesome you're perfect the way you are but god has his time his plan and there are things that we can't control sadly there are things that i wish we could control right but we can't so just mm. hold on hold on tight to whatever it is you're holding on to if it's your god if it's your your job and you're trusting that this is this job is giving me the joy i need at this point continue doing it and do it fervently and continue praying for everyone who fails to have it all figured out good for you i pray we all continue having it all figured out (laughs) but life always happens life always happens there's something my one of my favorite guys les brown always says he says morphe law it will always come at some point (laughs) in time something would happen but whatever it is just remember that at just as you are able to go through the sunny days when it's rainy you too can go through it keep doing what you're doing and keep learning and keep becoming who you better as who you are for anyone who wants to support our organization i mentioned earlier on we're open to partnering with like-minded organizations corporate organizations not just uh, non-profits corporate organizations banks um, other embassies who have an vested interest in improving maternal mental health and improving health outcomes of children, especially newborns. We're heavy, heavy on mm. partnership. We want people to come on board. We want to, because we have, we have very exciting plans for the future. One of which is we're starting a conversation series and on the ah. YouTube, a YouTube a maternal health conversation series focused on Africa. The whole idea is the recommendations and conversations from this series will be will be uh, will inform policy statements where we're able to write out policy documents to to organizations not just sorry to to the government to hospitals and recommendations. We would also hopefully we're working closely with people at the WHO to see how we can come on board and some kind of partnership so mm. those are those are things that we are hopeful this is me spilling the beans but it's still very early and we're speaking it into the atmosphere yes so we're we're working yes. very very hard for now we're, we're soliciting professionals health professionals who want to who who within working within the space of maternal and child health we're soliciting people to be our speakers on our guest speaking series, our health conversation series, which we hope to begin in July. It's gonna, we're looking at having it every every other Saturday, meaning every Saturday morning would have a very deliberate, concise discussion where we'd bring out recommendations, we'll discuss maternal health in during different aspects of maternal health. And we're able to inform make policy statements based off on the comment uh, uh discussions that sounds amazing yeah and again we're on instagram we're on face facebook we're on linkedin and we're our website page i mentioned it earlier on www.edenfoundation with a g.com thank you thank you so much it's been amazing having you on here it's yeah. been so informative so so I, I, you know i don't want to stop talking <laughs> I, no I, 
Sometimes I talk so too much. much. I know. No, I'm sorry. no, no. <laughs> no, you don't talk too much. We need to know these things, right? Because I mean, you just you can only create awareness about something you even know about. Correct. You know, you're right. Tomorrow right. now I'm gonna have a conversation that I sit down with friends that can easily say, you know. Do you know how expensive it is to have a child in the NICU? Do you understand that many states don't even have that or many hospitals don't have that? You never know who might be able to, to make yeah. a difference or who knows sure. someone who can. So, sure. I mean, it's been amazing. Thank you so much for Thank you. such Thank an informative you. Thank session. You. I know anyone Thank listening you. to this episode has definitely <laughs> learned so much and we can all start making an impact. Uh, in all our little circles of influences. So yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for everything you're doing. Thank for you. you. Thank you. Know, you. For you going through that experience. Yeah, for you going through that experience and choosing to give back, choosing to create awareness, choosing to support so many other people. That's really, it's incredible. Thank it's you. It's not a yeah. lot of people that would do that. So thank you for, for um, finding your purpose from your pain and from your yeah, journey. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for all you're doing. Thanks. It's been a pleasure having you on here. Thanks for joining us this week on the Fertility Conversations podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at Fertility Conversations. If there are any topics you would like to have discussed, please send an email to fertilityconversations at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. Thank you again for listening. Take care of yourself and do stay hopeful.